Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Dean Blundell Network proudly brings to you your favorite NFL podcast on the network, the loudmouth Chris Phillips, the brewmaster Steve Fisher, the Ball Hawks podcast. All right, welcome everybody to the Ballhawks podcast. We are on the corner of Prime and 21st today. See what I did there, Chris? Oh, I get it. I mean, I thought we were on 21 Jump Street, but whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's our 21st episode. Uh, we've talked a lot about Dion throughout these first 20 episodes anyways. Uh, so Dion gets the recognition for the 21st episode. It couldn't be anyone else. Like he owns 21, pretty much. In not young sports. John. Not young Johnny Depp. No, not even close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and as always, you can hear my co-host in the background, Christopher Lupe, the calming goat Phillips. How's it going today? You know, you, you can see it on my face. You know, you lost me. Again, I feel like it's on the, the tip of my tongue this week, but um, I was wrong last week. I was I the one that I was thinking wasn't the one you were talking about. So I have no idea. Um, we are talking about yeah, Ferdinand this week. Ferdinand, yeah, I haven't seen that one. Oh. No, my only um, exposure to Ferdinand the Bull is uh, because Sandra Bullock reads it in The Blind Side. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, but you probably you probably haven't seen that. Maybe. I have seen that one. <laughs> uh, happy to be here, though. Of course, uh, you know, please go uh, give me a follow over on Twitter at Phillips Chris Twelve. Um, I can see it on Steve's face that this week he did actually forget. Uh, so please follow Steve as well at SS Fisher Eight Seven, and don't forget don't forget uh, sorry the podcast account at Ballhawks underscore Pod. Um, I mean, we're pretty active on Twitter. That's probably where we're most active with you guys. We are on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, I mean, we're probably not as active on those ones because you guys aren't active with us on those ones either. So, um, but we are there also. Uh, before we jump into the NFL stuff, there was something you wanted to, you were pretty cryptic on it and you said, have you seen, and then you're like, wait a second, I'll just ask you. So the floor is yours to start. I want the genuine reaction on yeah. this one. So, of course, the uh, Tokyo uh, 2020 Olympics start next week. Um, I love that, by the way, how everything that was supposed to happen last year, they're still just calling it like Tokyo 2020 or uh, the, the Euro was just, you know, just finished. And it was Euro 2020. And it's just like they just didn't want to pay for like to have to rebrand all their merch and right. make new logos. But anyways, um the Olympics are starting next week, which is a bit of a contentious issue because um, COVID is still uh, running rampant rampant over in Tokyo. Um, I actually saw today, I think two South African soccer players have already tested positive in the Olympic Village. No way. Yeah. Dang. So part of what uh, what the um, what they're doing, I think it's the probably the IOC has implemented this because, of course, the Olympic Village 
Um, every year they give out hundreds of thousands of condoms because um, it's just apparently wild athletic sex happening the entire time. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's so they have installed, they're calling them anti-sex cardboard beds at the Olympic Games <laughs> that are apparently designed <laughs> to collapse and or break at any uh, like sudden movement or if uh, they're, they're only meant to support the weight of one person. Uh, <laughs> so, so they have implemented, uh, I mean, at least they're recyclable so that they've got that going for them. But like, again, we're talking about the greatest athletes in the world. I don't think they're going to figure out a way to have sex, like not on these cardboard beds. Right. Like, or <sighs> What about the difference? Like, is the cardboard like different grades for like, I can't imagine, you know, a guy like Shaquille O'Neal, you know, right. Not collapsing a bed versus like, you know, this tiny little diver or something like that. Right. Like, it's just like one standard, like cardboard throw in and Shaq's like, yeah, you know what? Like I'm breaking that. I know for a fact I'm breaking that. So I ain't even going to sleep on that. Also, (laughs) I'm a multi gazillionaire. I am not sleeping on a piece of cardboard when I have to get up and perform at the highest level in whatever, you know, field you are in. That's the funny thing about the Olympics too, Hayes. I think even the professional athletes have to stay in the Olympic village. And I bet those Olympic villages is so much different than even like the, the team hotels that they're used to staying in. Yeah, that's, that's super strange. Uh, But yeah, anti-sex beds, anti-sex beds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good luck. Best of luck to the Olympic athletes. Um, don't move suddenly in your sleep, I guess, is the, yeah. the message they're trying to send. Don't have any nightmares. Um, don't get COVID. Don't roll and, over. Uh, Hopefully you practice, sleep like without moving. Yeah. Practice abstinence and, and yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Okay. Well, with uh, with that being said, we are going to move on to our NFL uh, around the league news. And I thought I'd start this week with uh, reports that came out about Brady, our lovable Tom Brady, played all of 2020 season with a torn MCL. And the reports are coming out. Uh, it was his left, left knee. And... Uh, it was, quote, pretty serious. So it doesn't say whether it was a full tear, like was it grade one, two, three. All I know is I've had different grades of ACL until it finally fully popped. Um, And I, I can't believe people play an entire season with torn ligaments uh good for Brady did, did you see what the did you see that or like what was your reaction to it I, I I saw the headline that's really all I was like okay I saw the headline like I don't really have to read the article like the headline pretty well tells the whole story so I I didn't even know what knee it was if it was his left knee or his right knee um I want to say being his left knee probably a little bit easier than being his right knee um just because if he's taking the snap three-step drop his right leg is going to be his back plant leg 
Um, I mean, I've, I've never had a, a major knee injury, so I don't know what it would feel like to have. Because, of course, his left knee is now going to be the one that he is driving off of when he throws the ball. So I don't know how that's, you know, how that's going to feel and um, how how bad that hurts. But, I mean, let's be real. He was probably wearing a knee brace. He was probably, um, you know, having uh, the multiple shots in the knee pregame, having the thing drained at halftime, um, you know, do, doing everything that, that he had to do to, you know, pain management to be able to, to play. Um, so yeah, good for him. But I guess the other thing with it is like, I would be more impressed if it was like Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, like made it through a season with a, you know, damaged MCL torn, partially torn, what have you. Cause they're a more mobile quarterback than Brady is. I mean, Brady has been in the league for, what is it? 20 years. And he just surpassed a, a thousand rushing yards. <laughs> Yeah, so for me, like, knowing how uh, ligaments, I mean, mine was ACL, um, but knowing how ligaments keep your knee feeling, like, solid and structured, like, yeah, he probably had a knee brace on there, uh, but that drive leg when he's going to throw, you would think his throwing would have been affected by it. He still threw for over 4,600 yards. Um, His passer rating was... I think over a hundred, uh, yes, uh, just over one or two. Go ahead. Um, and his completion percentage was almost 66%. So like the big thing with me is he's not mobile and you are right. It would be very shocking if someone said, yeah, you know, Lamar did it and still put up, you know, 1300 rushing yards. Um, but just the idea, because Brady's so good and so efficient in moving in the pocket, you think that would like just bump him off slightly. And it seems like he got just a little bit better. Now, I don't know if that's like an improved offensive line, improved weapons. Maybe it's a combination of both. Maybe he just really focused, you know, his uh, practice snaps where he was focusing on making sure that leg was solid. It was in line every time he would shift from side to side. Cause that's the thing with MCL. You can kind of like mask it in terms of not letting it buckle inside as long as you are keeping everything in line. Uh, but just super like he's what, what is he? 43 years old. I think I he was think 40. That was his 43 yeah. year old season. So it's not like he's getting any younger. Um, and yeah, his stats just seem to get better. So, I mean, there's a reason he's the goat, man. I uh, I, I just want to circle back to Jay Andrews' question from last week. Um, you guys can find Jay on third and two pod or also... Pass the um, cheese pod. Pa- pass the cheese, yeah. I've got, uh, got his Twitter up here. Uh, but, uh, you know, he was asking last week if, you know, with the amount of players the Buccaneers are bringing back, um, you know, are they in a, the best position to possibly repeat as, as Super Bowl champions? And last week, I think we both said no, but with this extra knowledge, knowing that Brady played hurt for, what was it, all season, most of the season yeah. last year, and now this year we're getting a 100% healthy Brady, um, maybe that changes perspective a little bit, so... Yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see. Like, I'm just I'm shocked that he was able to do that. And just his numbers, again, seem to like 
keep going up into his age 43 season. Um, the other one that I wanted to chat with you about, cause I think this probably has a little bit of interest for you, especially because I know you have talked about the off season needs of the Hawks, uh, being that starting number one corner kind of thing. So it came out that, um, the Miami Dolphins cornerback Xavier Howard, uh, has several, I guess what you would call win now or like contending teams mulling a trade over. And this all stemmed from he was unhappy that his teammate Byron Jones signed a similar contract to him, but just getting paid a little bit more. (laughs) Like we are, we are so pro players. We want players to get as much money as they can but he signed a five-year, $75.25 million deal in 2019. You're getting paid, dude. You got your bag. Ain't nothing wrong with the contract you signed. Um, I don't. I can't remember, but I want to say it was one of the richest ones in league history when he signed it. If anything, I would just be pumped that my boy that plays across from me on the field is also getting paid. Like, I, I don't get where this you know, my stats are better. I need to make even more because I have to get compensated for more than you. Well, then you shouldn't have signed your deal, dude. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about it? There's, there's a, there's that part of it. And then we'll talk about maybe uh, what teams could be mulling over the trade. Yeah. I mean, like you said, we are both very, very pro player. Um, I mean, I, I can be more understanding when you're upset that, you know, a guy on another team who is a similar, you know, similar age, uh, seasons played, stats, what have you, signs a more lucrative contract than you do, like right after you sign your contract. To be pissed off that a guy on your own team signed a, a slightly more lucrative contract than you did, like that that's that's not good like that's that's bad for for the locker room like that's, bad you say for that. team. that's not good that's, that's not good like, I'm, not like I'm talking to my it's like i'm talking to my children right like right like it's just like it's that that's terrible for team chemistry that's bad for the locker room like i mean like you said like that's your boy like that's that's a guy on your own team like you should be happy for him you should be like you know be like, yeah, like he's worth that. Like I'm worth that too, but I signed what I signed. And, um, you know, hopefully when this contract's up, I I can get what he's making or, or more. Right. But, you know, just looking at Xavier Howard's like, he's good. Like he's a really good cornerback. And and before we came on, I was prepared to say he's one of the, you know, the most underrated young cornerbacks in the league. I, I, I stand by the fact that he's one of the most underrated cornerbacks in the league, but he's actually not that young. He is, he he just turned, no, he just turned 28. Okay. So he's playing his year 28 season. I I wouldn't call him young, but I wouldn't call him old. But he's getting up there in age as far as football goes, right? Like he's getting to that point where like, you know, does he keep playing corner or like at what point does he possibly look at converting to safety to prolong his career? Right. Um, And even then, like looking, you know, again, I'm looking, I've got stats up here. Not that stats tell the whole picture. Um, He absolutely had a career year last year. He balled out last year, 20 pass defenses, 
10 interceptions, 46 tackles, 35 solo tackles, like <laughs> balled the hell out last year. But it was an, it was a career year. Yeah. Like, that was the first time he's ever hit double digit interceptions. Um, it's only the second time in his career that he's played a full season. Um, so I just, I, I don't know, man, like you're, you're good, but like, so shut I up, was, shut up and prove it for on a, on a bigger picture. Right. And so I was trying to figure out like, why would a guy like that be so hasty towards a teammate? And then I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if it actually is about the teammate. So when I pulled up Xavier Howard's contract, uh, that five year 75, or I think it was 75.25. Here it is. I have it in front of me now. Um, he had 27.185 guaranteed at signing and his total guaranteed was 39, just over 39. So that's pretty good. But when you look at his potential out, the potential out is he's got one more year and then his dead cap is only 2.8 million and 1.4. So if he plays out the entirety of this contract that would take him into his year 32 season as a UFA, we both know that a 32-year-old corner is not getting a lucrative big contract again. So I wonder if this is kind of like his way. And who knows, like maybe him and Byron Jones have these conversations and he's like, hey, just so you know, I'm going to say I feel like I deserve more than you because I want to get paid one last big one. Right. So he's got he, he you know, he's <laughs> from you and I, he's set up for life. Uh, but it's a little different when you're making that amount of money. And so, yeah, I, I wonder if this is kind of his way of starting these talks early and then he gets out because uh, I think the article I was reading was, you know, you're, whatever team is looking into him as a potential trade target, you probably are paying a first round pick and the, I guess, promise or I don't know how they work these things out, but basically getting a new deal as well, which would take him. You got to think he's trying to cash in one more big contract after a career year to, again, maybe take him to that age 31, 32 kind of range where he can still sign these kind of like one year deals to prolong his career like you're talking about. So I think there might be something to do with how his contract is structured and he kind of wants to be proactive in saying, I deserve more. I want to go somewhere. This shiny new team is going to pay me, you know, what you guys paid me back in 2019. So you think the Seahawks would be interested? Um, for the right price, sure. I I, I don't What's see the right Seahawks. Price? I don't see the Seahawks being a team, though. Um, you know, to do the the trade and and restructure a contract. Um, that's not really the the Seahawk way, so to speak. Um, you know, they they usually don't restructure a guy who's got multiple years left. They they wait till you have one year left and they start you know discussing extensions. Right. Um. So yeah, I I mean, I I just I like I said for the right. Pe- price maybe um but it's not going to be what howard wants he's not going to not going to get that restructured contract he's not going to get um what he wants out of pete carroll and john schneider up in seattle so i i i I don't think they will in the long run be interested no Hmm. he might be one of those guys that if you get cut maybe or maybe if it costs us a mid-round pick then we can 
kind of work with restructuring a deal. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It, it's one of those ones where you almost think he won't go to a contender, though, because the contenders are usually tight up against the cap, which then takes out half of his argument. But then if he goes to somewhere else, well, why would you want to sign somewhere else? So I guess you kind of see whether it's mostly about the money or if it's mostly about wanting to contend. But it, from all the accounts, it sounds like he's unhappy with his contract. So it wouldn't surprise me if a team like, you know, say the Jaguars, who are young, they've got tons of cap space. Uh, they want to bring in kind of a lockdown guy for the next three kind of years or whatever. So I could definitely yeah, see they, that. They just signed Shaquille Griffin though, right? Can you have too many good corners though? No. Yeah. But I, I, I was going to say maybe like, I don't know, maybe New England. If, if New England ships out Stefan Gilmore, maybe they bring Xavier and Howard in. That's probably a pretty good landing spot. I, you see a lot of these guys where... I mean, I doubt Miami wants to trade to the Patriots, but usually a lot of these guys like staying in conference because they are familiar with all of the players they play, you know, six out of those 17 games against every season. So I I could see something like that. Didn't Miami trade Wes Welker to New England? Is that where he was before New England? Maybe you've stumped me on that one. Good. That's a that's a long time ago. Wow. I know, right? I'll never forget uh, Wes Welker. I, I traded uh I traded for him in a playoff push to our buddy Ted, and he fleeced me, made me pay him a fourth round pick for Wes Welker. I never started him once and I didn't win the season. And I <laughs> dislike Ted and dislike Wes Welker because of it. Uh if it makes you feel any better, I also dislike Ted. Um <laughs> that does make me feel better, actually. Thank yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yes, um, so I'm just looking it up here. He was traded from the Dolphins to the Patriots. Okay. Um, but uh, I dislike Ted because last year, uh, of course, I had Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb got hurt. Ted was like, Ted was down and out from the get go last year. I was contending again. And he's like, you know, I've got Josh Jacobs here. You've got to hurt Nick Chubb. Like, you need to stay in, you know, in contention while. Nick Chubb's hurt like why don't we do a swap Jacobs Chubb and like you throw in a third round pick I'm like yeah sure let's do that I regretted it from the day I made the trade I never should have made the trade and like I I regret it even more now so and and Ted you you know that I actually I last week I asked our commissioner if uh if he would veto the trade for me (laughs) a a year later (laughs) you're the commissioner you can do whatever you want I mean, he did veto one of my trades before, so like, why right. not veto this one? That, yeah, that's for a whole nother, whole nother segment. <laughs> Maybe next week we'll get dive into that ugly one. Um, I'm anti-veto. Yeah, speaking of ugly ones, uh, unfortunate situation happened uh, with former Seahawk, former <clears throat> 49, 49ers player Richard Sherman. Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you take take the lead on this one. I don't know how else to describe it other than like, unfortunate. Was, I, I feel like I don't have enough of the information. It sounds like he'd been drinking. Sounds like he's uh, in kind of like a bad mental health state anyways. You and I talked about this off air, how, you know, when you're not in a good mental health 
headspace and you add alcohol or drugs to that, usually not a good combination. And I think, you know, by his remarks, he is pretty embarrassed by his actions. And I mean, the good thing is he's taking ownership of it and he's, you know, vowed to go get that help that he needs so that uh, he can be a better person moving forward. Yeah, it's a um, un- very unfortunate situation. Um, I guess to be very, you know, full candor, full, very candid here, um, very transparent. Um, you know, I saw the words domestic violence yeah. and I immediately went to like, done, 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 done. Like what this guy went from somebody that I greatly respected, you know, adored as a player. Um, and I saw the words domestic violence and I just wrote him off. Um, I mean, of course, more information came out after the fact and, and I backpedaled and, um, you know, I don't understand how him banging on a front door, potentially breaking a front door is considered domestic violence. I think there was more to that story, though, right? Yeah, apparently. Well, no, apparently in the United in the the code of law or I don't know, whatever it's called, um, what he did can be um, deemed domestic violence. Hmm. Um, But he did go to court and the, the, the judge dropped it from felony domestic violence to a misdemeanor domestic violence has been dropped off the whole slate um you know the 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 judge made comment about you know how richard sherman is such a valued member of the community and he is someone that is looked up to highly and and um yeah i guess all i want to say is that you know I'm, i'm glad that he's acknowledged it i'm glad that he's acknowledged that he needs help and I just hope that he gets that help that he needs. Um, I know I said to you that this is likely going to end his career. Um, I do still stand by that. I just think um, from both sides at this point, it doesn't make sense for a team to sign him um, because unfortunately this is now what a lot of teams are going to call baggage. Mm-hmm. And from his perspective, I think it's best that he gets the help he needs and um, focuses on himself and his family rather than football. So I, I, I do still stand by the fact that I, I, I do think um, we've seen the last of Richard Sherman in the NFL as, as a player. Um, it won't be the last we see of Richard Sherman. I'm, I'm sure he will pop up somewhere as an analyst because he's unbelievably smart, um, you know, wicked smart. Um, <laughs> Um, so I, I think he'll pop up somewhere, but yeah, I just, it's very, you know, for anyone that's listened to the 911 call, for anyone that's seen the video of the, the doorbell camera or whatever it was, um, very sad to see. Yeah. I, I'm going to leave you with two things here. One, I do think he's coming back to play. Uh, it might not be this season. It might not be the start. It might be the middle. It might be next year. I think that all depends on like you said, he's a very wildly intelligent human being. So I think he won't come back uh, too early. I think he's going to come back when he is in a good mental health space, which I think is great for him. 
And uh, two, I think this is actually a really good reminder to people, yourself included, because we did have that conversation. You brought it up here. Um, you were like, I saw domestic violence and I was like, I'm done with him. I'm writing him off right away. And I believe you could go back and look at it. But I'm pretty sure my comment to you was, let's hear the whole story first before you jump to conclusions, right? And we are all guilty of it. You are not the only one who has jumped to a conclusion being like, nope, done with this person. Whether you like had to backpedal or whether it came out and you were right. Um, I just think it's a good idea to always err on the side of take a breath, get all the facts, figure it out. Um, you know, if, if you still believe in it, great. If, if, you know, your initial reactions, you don't blur it out. Well, then you don't have to like backpedal as much on them. Right. And like I said, we're all guilty of it, but maybe just a good reminder for everybody in that category. Uh, we are going to move on to something super fun that we saw on Twitter that both of you and I uh, did as well. And I would encourage any of our listeners, whether you're a fan of our team or a different team, to do the same thing. Um, I'm just going to pull up who it was from to give them credit. Of course. I've got it here. Do you have? Okay. Remind me who who the person was. So it we're going to do credit. Ca- Carter Donick at C Donick three. Okay. So that's, this is where I saw the first thing. And the question was, uh, if you are a hockey fan, you know that the Seattle Kraken, uh, on Wednesday are going to be doing their expansion draft into the NHL. And this person kind of did an NFL version of it and said, if an NFL expansion draft was happening, and your team was allowed to protect seven offensive players and eight defensive players, who would they be? And of course, being a hockey fan, being a football fan, I jump in there right away and I'm like, this is going to be super easy. I start tweeting it out. I'm like, Lamar Jackson, Ronnie Stanley. Uh, and then I just like, my heart sunk. And I was like, why did I do this to myself? Why, why did I go through the pain of doing this? Um, so... To delay my pain, I'm actually going to give you the first go at it. So give us all seven of your offensive players and then maybe give us like an honorable mention and tell us why it was so hard. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like, like you said, this kind of all stemmed from the fact that uh, the Seattle Kraken are doing their expansion draft Wednesday night. Um, of course, all the NHL teams had to have their list in um Yesterday, I think they're all revealed this morning, but they had to be in by, I think, two o'clock yesterday. Um, And it's really fun to see. Um, I mean, I I tweeted about it as well. Uh, I I follow a lot of you people from Seattle uh, on Twitter because of the uh, Seahawks interactions. And uh, it's really cool seeing how excited you guys are for the Seattle Kraken. And even as a Canucks fan, I'm excited to see the Kraken as well. Um, I think it'll be fun to have that uh, that cross-border rival. until they but yeah, up so, on us all the time. Well, yeah, I mean, then whatever. we'll hate them. The, yeah, the Canucks aren't good, so I'm I'm okay with saying <laughs> that my team's not very good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was yeah, like you said, seven offensive, eight defensive, and uh, the one uh, caveat was uh, rookies are exempt. Oh, right, right. So we didn't have to protect our rookies, thankfully. So uh, that you know, the the three that my team drafted this year, we're, we're all safe. Right. Um. Offense, I, of course, started with Russell Wilson. 
Uh, I went to DK Metcalf. Damian Lewis, uh, who is moving from right guard to left guard this year. Uh, Ethan Posick, the starting center. Gabe Jackson, who's now going to be the new starting right guard. Uh, Tyler Lockett. And this one, I think, probably surprised a lot of people, um, was Rashad Penny. Mm-hmm. And I I had a few people be like, like oh, like I I would have kept Chris Carson. And like, I you know, I, I had another person chime in, like, you know, what about like Dwayne Brown, the, the starting left tackle? Yeah. And I guess like my reasoning behind a couple of those is like, you do have to expose players in the hopes that it, keep someone else safe yeah right so like in in my mindset was if i expose chris carson and i expose dwayne brown hopefully chris carson is more enticing because he is i think 27 um just had a pretty good year last year he's shown that he's a a, a starting running back in the league um you know maybe that's going to help protect my 36 year old left tackle um i just and that's the other thing is like i I don't see a team really being like i'm gonna take this 36 year old left tackle because really how much longer does does he have left in the league um and i think i mean rashad penny if given the opportunity could be a starting running back in the nfl and really if he's not you give him a one-year tryout and you go find somebody else in free agency or the draft the following year. So I, I think um, protecting and, and he's a couple of years younger than Chris Carson. So that was kind of my, my reasoning behind that. Um, so I also I not- like what you did here. And I don't even know if you meant to do this because I didn't think about this when I was protecting my guys. But exposing a guy like Carson when you uh, obviously have kept a guy like Rashad Penny, you have a younger you know, able-bodied person or exposing a guy like Dwayne Brown in the off chance that he gets picked or selected. You have Stone Forsyth, who you did not have to uh, protect because of the rookie. Um, So just different things like that, where you're protecting the guys where you have a viable replacement behind them. Not ideal losing either one of them. You know, you hope they take Will Disley, I don't know, someone else that, you know, you would you would rather have them, but you have those backups. So I like that. Yeah. Um, and, and that was, that was another name that, that got popped up when, uh, when people saw my list was Gerald Everett. Yeah. I was like, what about Gerald Everett? I'm like, yeah, but like if somebody claims Gerald Everett, we have Will Disley and right. Colby Parkinson. Right. Right. And Disley has proven that, you know, Russell Wilson really likes Will Disley. Disley can be really good. He just has struggled with health. Um, so yeah. And, and, and that's what I said. It's like, you know, I'd, I'd rather protect, certain players where I know we have depth elsewhere. Right. So it's like Damian Lewis, Lewis, Posick and Jackson. We don't have a lot of depth on the interior of the offensive line. Yeah. So those guys make sense. Wilson, DK Lockett. Well, I mean, obviously who wouldn't protect those three. Right. And then, right. So, and then Penny, like I said, I, 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 I went from a very youth youthful roster when I was doing my, my keepers and, and I went with Penny cause he is a few years younger and 
Now, I will say I, I actually struggled a lot more on offense than I did on defense. Defense, I was like, I would keep this guy, I'd keep this guy, I'd keep this guy, and 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 then like, offense. And I'm like, well, like, I guess I'll keep, like, like <laughs> Gabe Jackson. Like, I guess I'll keep this guy. I guess I'll keep, like, I mean, Wilson, DK, and Lockett were no-brainers. Damian Lewis was pretty much a no-brainer. Um, the other three, I was like, well, like, I'll keep this guy for this reason. Like, it makes sense. Like, continuity on the offensive line makes sense too and like i said the interior as well um on to my defense though um obviously bobby wagner yeah um jordan brooks jamal adams uh dj reed akello witherspoon uh puna ford alton robinson and darrell taylor okay and Again, I, I had a lot of questions on this one being like, what about Quandre Diggs? And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, Diggs only has one year left on his contract, and I don't think Seattle re-signs him next year. So mm. that was somebody I was willing to leave unprotected because I think he's, he would be very valuable in an expansion draft uh, scenario because, again, he balled out last year. He had, he had a great year. Um, but I think just age, money other players in the system. I think Quandre Diggs doesn't is into Seattle Seahawks next year. And just remember, um, so, so anybody who doesn't know the I guess the expansion format is uh an expansion team can take one player from you. They don't get one on the offense and on the defense. So I think this goes back to your argument with uh exposing Carson and Brown is let's say you valued Chris Carson and you valued Dwayne Brown. Well now when you put Diggs in there are you kind of enticing them to take a guy that you feel like you're going to lose in a year anyways to save two other guys on offense? There's yeah. also that strategy. Absolutely. And I think of those three guys that you just named, I think Quandary Diggs is probably the, the most appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm being totally upright or uh, forthright, um, a lot of people were kind of surprised. I kept a Keller Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Seattle because Seattle only signed him to a one-year contract. And this I think that's off really going to... Yeah, this past okay. offseason, they signed... Uh, he was with the 49ers last yeah. year. And Seattle signed, signed him to a one-year contract. And I really think that's going to bite them in, bite them in the ass. Hmm. I, I think he... Because I think he's only like 23 or 24. Um, and I think he is going to... Or sorry, he's he's 26. Um, but still, he's a, he's a young cornerback. Um, and I think he's going to have a re- really good year this year. Um, I'm, I'm probably a little higher on him than most others. Um, but I, I remember when they signed that contract, I texted my dad. And I'm like, why did they sign this guy to only do a <laughs> one year contract? Like, co- like, especially because, I mean. So just remember, that might not be something that bites them in the ass. That might be something that the player himself was like, sure, I would love to be a Seahawk. Again, I would love to stay in the division. I know the players I'm playing against. But if you're going to sign me to a bigger contract, I want to be paid like I think I'm going to be worth. Now, oh, you don't think that? You want to just give me a one-year deal worth this? Okay, we could do that. But when I ball out next year, like it's going to cost you a pretty penny, just so you know. Yep. And that, And that's another guy that could, because of that, end up seeing his way out of Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, DJ Reed, the way he played last year, and again, age-wise, uh, he made sense to keep. Puna Ford absolutely made sense to keep. 
Um, he's going to, you know, be the, the he's going to just destroy things from the interior of the defensive line there. Um, Alton Robinson, I'm sure a lot of people are like, why not Carlos Dunlap? Again, comes down to an age thing and Alton Robinson in, in, uh, in very limited game uh, time last year played really well and proved that he can be in this league. Um, so that's someone that I would rather just can't keep around. And um, Darrell Taylor. Uh, don't know what we have in him. He didn't play all last year. He was uh, Seattle's uh, second round pick last year, but I think actually the, the first pick they actually made last year was Darrell Taylor um, in that second round. Or uh, I can't remember if they made a first round pick last year, but um, neither here nor there. Um, he never played. He broke his leg at Tennessee, um, never was able to come back from it last year. Uh, he spent pretty much the whole season on the pop list. I think they had activated him in playoffs, and had they got past the Rams, there was a possibility he was going to play the following week. Um, but we all know what happened there. Um, and then, of course, you said a couple honorable mentions. Um, so, like I said, I, I really struggled picking guys on offense, and I had a lot more guys on defense that I would have rather have kept. So, if I could, and I put this in my tweet as well, I would have I I wouldn't keep Rashad Penny. And I wouldn't keep Ethan Posick. I would keep Marquise Blair on defense, who last year was the starting nickel corner. Um, I was super, super hyped on Marquise Blair last year. Like they had moved him some, from safety to corner. Like he was going to, like he looked great in that nickel spot. Uh, and then he tore his ACL in like week two. Something like that, week week two or three, I think it was in the, the game against the Patriots. Um, and so this year, he's battling for that nickel spot with Ugo Amadi. Um, but I, I think Marquise, hopefully, I think he should beat out Amadi. Um, and even if he doesn't, you know, we were talking about Quandre Diggs. Well, if Quandre Diggs gets uh, taken in an expansion draft format and we've kept Marquise Blair. Well, now Marquise Blair moves back up to free safety. Um, so yeah, that's somebody that I would, I would have kept over uh, Rashad Penny and uh, the other guy on defense that I would have kept instead of Ethan Postick on offense, I would have kept Cody Barton. Uh, he's a middle linebacker um, out of Utah. Again, age um, pretty young still. Uh, and just somebody that, I would look to be, I guess, the, the future starting middle linebacker. Um, you know, I kept Bobby Wagner, but of course, Bobby's getting a little long in the tooth as well. Still um, really, really good. One of the best defensive players in the NFL, one of the best middle linebackers in the NFL. Um, but you also have to have contingency plans in place. Yeah, definitely. Um, tough choices. I know... That's like kind of the whole thing is even guys that you might not be overly big on on your own team, they're still your guys. And it's like, oh, but I want to keep this guy, too. Um, so I kind of gave up a couple of mine, but they're no brainers. My offense is Lamar Jackson, uh, Ronnie Stanley, Mark Andrews, Bradley Bozeman, Hollywood Brown, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. And so some people obviously were like, 
I think I saw a couple of people said something about like, well, what about Watkins? We just got Sammy Watkins. You're going to like expose him. The thing with these is you just can't keep everybody. Same with Kevin Zeitler. Just got him. You're going to expose him. Yeah, I know. It would be great to have both of those guys. But the the whole the, the reason why this is so tough is because someone on your team has to go. And because you can only protect so many guys, you inevitably, if you are a good team, give up something big. I know I heard uh, a couple comments about, well, what about Pat Ricard? Uh, he kind of does everything. He's a fullback, but he gives he does kind of everything, right? He's a great blocker. Uh, he, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. And again, it was like, well, then who do I get rid of? Like, do I... Do I let Gus Edwards go? And now maybe I'm uh, kind of getting away from what the Ravens have been so successful with, with just pounding the ball down teams' throats. So uh, that's why I went with two running backs. Um, You know, J.K. Dobbins was obviously a no-brainer. Gus Edwards was kind of like my fringe guy. It was like, do I keep Pat Ricard? But then we just drafted a guy, uh, Ben Mason, who is also a fullback, kind of looks like uh, Pat Ricard's kind of like heir to the throne. So do I want to lose Ricard? No, but I've got something in the back kind of waiting. And same thing with Kevin Zeitler. I really think that's going to be a huge addition to the Ravens offensive line. But if somebody had to go, I've got a lot of guys at guard right now that are competing, um, you know, for two spots. And so could I, would I be okay with that? Yeah, I, I think I would have to kind of let that go. The good one here is uh, the Ravens just doubled up on uh, wide receivers this year. So getting Rashad Bateman, getting Tylen Wallace. Um, there's no, I, I don't know if there's enough of a drop off to keep Sammy Watkins, expose a guy like Gus Edwards, and then... Um, you know, your run game is hurt by that going forward. So those are my seven on offense. I really struggled with those ones. I really struggled with letting Ricard be up there. I really struggled with having Zeitler be up there. Uh, But like I said, you just, you have to, you have to expose people. That's the whole, that's the crappy part of why of the, the expansion, right? I, I think my play there is to still expose a guy like Gus Edwards, um, but not, to save Sammy or not to protect Sammy Watkins, but to um, protect Zeitler. Um, again, I, I think offensive line is probably more important than, uh, I don't know, what is Sammy going to be? Third receiver, mm-hmm. second receiver, third receiver, right? Like I, I think a, a, a starting guard is, is probably a more <clears throat> important position than, than whatever Sammy Watkins is going to be. Um, and like I said, with, you know, with, um, Seattle and, and me protecting Rashad Penny is, you know, if it doesn't work out, like go find a, a guy in free agency, go find a guy in the draft. And, um, you know, if Baltimore doesn't protect Gus Edwards and that is the guy that does get selected, well, okay, now you're giving the rock to JK Dobbins uh, and you still have Justice Hill. You, uh, you know, let's see how it works with these two guys. And if it doesn't work out, well, I'm sure there's guys available in free agency and okay. Uh, Gus Edwards got, picked let's go sign Todd Gurley now to a contract um let's go draft a guy next year to take Gus Edwards spot right so I I, I just I feel like protecting two running backs regardless of 
you know, the Ravens style and how they want to play um, is uh, a little risky business. Yeah, I know it's all kind of like flavor of the week, uh, kind of who you are. But for me, um, offensive line definitely is that's that's the starting point. If you don't have a good offensive line, your running game probably can't get going my idea with Zeitler and it was tough. It was really tough leaving him off. My idea with that was um, we've got a few guys in, you know, the shadows who could step up and play that role. Um, You've got Ben powers, you've got Ben Bredesen, you've got Tyree Phillips. I think all of them are more than capable of filling a starting guard role, not to the level of Zeitler. Um, And the reason why Gus is, you know, you just gave him a contract because you you believe that he can produce for you. And he has. He's been so consistent. And he is like, he's that change of pace that this team needs. They need a change of pace. Big, physical, nasty. He's going to run through tackles. He is going to wear teams down while JK gets a break. And then JK comes back full lungs and hurts you again. And I just feel like... Justice Hill is not that guy. Justice Hill is more of a special teamer. He's fast. He's, you know, he can catch fairly well. Well, that's what J.K. Dobbins does. So that's kind of my thought process with keeping Edwards. But I don't think you would be wrong by saying I would keep Zeitler and, and you know, roll with J.K. And- I also just want to say, how dare you expose Kevin Zeitler because he chose you guys. <laughs> he wanted to be in Baltimore. Well, so came, I, think came down, I think it actually came down to Baltimore and Seattle, and he chose Baltimore. Uh, so how dare you? How and dare also, you? I mean, the, the guy's wife just gave birth, man. Like, just heartless, Stephen. Heartless. Um, you need to go see the... Uh, I think I want to say it was about a week ago. There was a tweet that I retweeted from uh, Baltimore Ravens beat writer Ryan Mink did a cover story of Gus Edwards and where he started out from and where he came from. And like, oh, my God, I I love that guy so much more now because of what he's gone through and what he's battled through to get where he is. So if we're talking stories, I don't think I made a bad uh, choice there also. (laughs) Defense defense was I don't know why because I got an extra player you get eight on the defense but this one was so much harder for me and I don't know why so obviously I'm keeping Marlon Humphrey obviously I'm keeping Marcus Peters I'm keeping Patrick Queen um Chuck Clark I'm keeping I'm keeping Deshaun Elliott so now I've got all of my DBs back I've got my starting corners, my starting safeties. I've got a middle linebacker. Um, I'm obviously keeping Tyus Bowser. Now I've filled the edge out. Um, this is where it started getting tricky. I've got so many guys here, you know, guys that are young, but haven't proven themselves. So I've got Jalen Ferguson, who's a linebacker. Uh, his nickname in college was Sack Daddy because he holds the record. I can't remember for what conference... Um, Uh, the most sacks. So there's potential there. He's showing glimpses of it, but he hasn't produced. So um, do I keep him? Uh, Do I keep Malik Harrison, who was also drafted the same year Patrick Queen was uh, more of that, like kind of thumper inside middle linebacker. Uh, 
again, show, showing some promise. But I decided to go with uh, Justin Matabike, who is a defensive tackle. And I, I expect a massive breakout year from this guy. I think if he can show that he can do at least 80% of what Brandon Williams can, I think they potentially might move on from Brandon Williams, who uh, is getting up there in age, but I still think he's productive. Um, I obviously can't keep Calais Campbell. He's talking about retiring in a year. Um, I don't think a team's going to take him, so I, I would expose him and be glad that he came back. Derek Wolf, I think, is the one I had a lot of troubles leaving off. I think he quietly does a lot of work for this team. But again, age kind of is a factor, and I went with Matabike instead. Um, and then for my final pick, I was like, I, I still want another DB. And it came down to Tavon Young, who has had some super unfortunate uh, injuries in his career. Uh you know, I, I think he's a top five nickel cornerback in the league when he's healthy. He just hasn't stayed healthy. Um, and my other guy, longtime Raven, Jimmy Smith, he's the guy that I picked. And I picked him for a couple of reasons. He is getting up there in age, but I still think he has, you know, a couple quality years left where, you know, if Marlon Humphrey gets pushed into slot corner again, like we were talking about last week, um, Jimmy Smith can play the outside at a super, super high level. If Jimmy Smith was, did not have as many injuries as he did over his career. Um, I think he would have been looked at as a top three corner, his entire career. He's big physical. He, he plays man. He locks guys down. He tackles like he just does everything. So he was my last pick. And I was also a little choked that I wasn't allowed to keep Justin Tucker, um, I thought about that as well. I was like, I cannot lose Justin Tucker. Could I like, can I let one of these defensive guys go to make sure that I keep my secret weapon in Justin Tucker? Um, it's, that's hilarious. It's like you were reading my mind. Cause I was, I was about to ask you, cause I, I actually did see somebody on Twitter, um, doing this practice with the Seahawks and one of their defensive players, instead of, you know, keeping a, I guess a traditional, defensive player um decided to keep punter michael dixon um which i you know i don't know if that's within the rules or if that's against the rules um i would like to think there's probably going to be like in this scenario like seven offensive eight defensive and maybe like one special teamer um <laughs> and, yeah like but, give me one special teamer yeah like I, I, I would me. feel you know choose between your kicker or your punter probably right. um because i mean nobody's going to keep a gunner um <laughs> unless unless your gunner is that good and it just keeps like another position player right who's that guy on uh on the patriots again they're they're gunner that like always makes the pro bowl like he's always like like the oh. best like special teamer oh God, i can see name? him he's a wide receiver by trade no i think he's a corner no no he's a white he? it's uh slater slater oh yeah Matthew slater isn't it yeah, isn't yeah. He a yeah he's a what he's a wide receiver by trade i'm i'm sure of oh. it you better look that one up. I think he's a corner. It, it's like, um, you know, Devin Hester is uh, a <laughs> cornerback by trade, but really he's a special <laughs> teamer. He's a kick returner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Slater is a wide receiver. Oh, he is a wide receiver. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And so I, I was going to ask you, like, you know, if, if 
if you weren't able to keep a special teamer, um, would you give up one of your defensive guys to keep either either your kicker or your punter? So I I think you're nuts if you disagree with me on this. We have the best kicker in the league, maybe the best kicker of all time once uh, he's finished his career. But I also believe the Ravens have one of the best punters in the entire league. And I remember, actually, this is how much I geeked out over Sam Cooke, is I watched a little, I don't know, this interviewee type thing with him. And he has something like 14 different styles of punts. Like most most punters get in the league if you can like spin the ball and punt it like 60 yards or whatever, like high keep it up in the air. That's how you get in the league. But he's like perfected his craft to where he's got like these knuckle balls and he's got ones that like spin backwards. And um, yeah, it just, it's wild how good he is at his craft and all of the other punters know it too. Cause they come to him and they're like, Hey, like, could you show me this? Or uh, yeah. So I, I definitely, I probably would give up one of those last defensive guys to keep Justin Tucker. That's how good he is. He's it's automatic points like you cannot get a more sure thing of, OK, like we need three points here. Send Tucker out. Yeah, but it's 55 yards. Yeah, send Tucker out. It's OK. 55, 60, no big deal. Um, yeah, we'll 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 leave it at that. But if if you guys are listening and. You know, if you are a Ravens fan or you're a Seahawks fan, I'd love for you to uh, tweet the podcast account, uh, ballhawks underscore pod, and, you know, tell us who your seven and eight are and give us, you know, a quick little rundown, maybe like an honorable mention. If you're a Packers fan or a Bills, like, I don't care who you are. Like, I just, I like interacting with people on this stuff, especially. And I know how difficult it was for me. So I'm hoping to push some of that. Um, uncomfortable feeling on to the rest of us yeah it, it i i just love seeing how people's minds work mm-hmm. and, and why um you know uh, 140 characters wasn't enough for me to explain like <laughs> i i remember last night i was having a or was it last night or two nights when this happened i was having a bit of a back and forth um with, with somebody who had replied to um i think to our podcast account I was having a bit of a back and forth as to my, my reasoning as to why. And so, it's, you know, it's nice to come on here and, and be able to explain my, <laughs> my, my why. And uh, yeah. So yeah, please, please uh, at, uh, at ballhawks underscore pod, let us know your seven offensive, your seven defensive eight defensive. and uh, eight, eight defensive. Sorry. And uh, let's do uh hashtag ballhawks expansion and, uh, and we'll, we'll keep an eye out for them. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, we are going to move on to our third down segment. This is the third and final week from our friend uh, Jake Vogel on Twitter. Uh, him and I were having some really good beer conversations yesterday. I don't know if you saw that. Um, you know, as the the intro would say, I am the brewmaster, but really my brother is more of the brewmaster. We were brewing up some beer last night or yesterday morning, and uh, Jake and I were having some good conversations about beer. But Jake is the one who got us onto our third, third, third down uh, segment here. <laughs> so uh, let let us know what's going on, Chris. 
Yeah, um, I'm just going to give Jake a, a, a shout out as well. You guys can find Jake over on Twitter at Real Jake Vogel, V O G E L. Uh, sorry, Jake, if I mispronounce your last name there, but uh, go give uh, go give Jake a follow. He's a Ravens fan. Uh, I, I know he hosts uh, a couple, uh, you know, live things on on Twitter uh, a, a few times. Anyway, I, I get the notification on my phone usually when I'm at work. I'm like, well, I, I can't jump on now, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, go give Jake a follow. And yeah, uh, the, the the third down for the third week in a row is brought to you by Jake Vogel. Um, sounds like a, a sponsored ad almost. Um, <laughs> which hey, if anyone wants to sponsor the podcast, let us know. We're also I, open to that. DMs are open. I think Jake is now required to sponsor us, right? Yeah, okay. if you want to sponsor the, the the third down, like Jake, um, <laughs> hit us up in the DMs. <laughs> But uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, Jake asked us to rank um, the the MCU. Um, I think he said, I, I actually think he said rank phase three. So we're finally actually getting around yeah. to, uh, to to the initial question because we decided to, um, I mean, and, and Jake said, like, maybe expand it. And so we decided the last few weeks we, you know, ranked phase one, we ranked phase two. And this week, of course, we're going to, rank phase three of the mcu which for those of you that don't know that's the marvel cinematic universe um which my dad if he's listening is calling me a nerd right now um for doing this uh but that's okay you raised him i am what i am what i am <laughs> and uh actually i, I want to show you i'm i'm wearing oh, you are you see that what yeah a geek. i'm wearing it okay you yeah, I'm wearing an Avengers shirt uh, this week um, in honor of uh, ranking phase three, the final phase of, I guess, the start, the, 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 um, I think, it, what do they call it? The Infinity era, the Thanos era of, uh, of the MC, MCU. Uh, starting with phase four, we go into a whole new era. So, um, yeah, so I, I guess we're going to go through the movies. There's a long list in phase three here. Um, I'm sure you haven't seen half of them, but <laughs> are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this thing. Third down. All right. Um, so uh, phase three started in 2016 with Captain America Civil War, um, which I feel like they just stuck Captain America's name on that movie when really it could have been probably labeled as another Avengers movie uh, with how many different uh, superheroes and, and characters from the MCU that ended up in that one. Um, fun fact, that was our introduction to Spider-Man in this universe. Uh, also in 2016, uh, we were introduced to Doctor Strange. Uh, 2017, uh, we got Steve's favorite of the whole phase three, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Uh, also in 2017, uh, Spider-Man got his, uh, you know, his standalone movie as part of this universe. We got Spider-Man: Homecoming, uh, and also in 2017, three movies in 2017 from the MCU. We had Thor: Ragnarok. Uh, moving on to 2018, uh, we had Black Panther with his standalone movie, which uh, I believe Black Panther's introduction was also in Captain America Civil War, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, 2018, uh, we got Avengers Infinity War. 
2018 as well. Um, also three movies in one year. We had Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, so the sequel to uh, Ant-Man from, I believe, 2015, which uh, was part of phase two. Uh, 2019 uh, brought us Captain Marvel and her standalone movie, which, of course, Captain Marvel um, wasn't, I guess, actually introduced. Um, However, at the end of Infinity War uh, on Nick Fury's pager, that was, of course, Captain Marvel's logo. So that was kind of our introduction to her uh, in the post credit scene. Um, We had Avengers Endgame, of course, in 2019. And closing out 2019 and closing out this chapter of Phase 3, sorry, it was called the Infinity Saga. There we go. I've got it in Mm -hmm. front of me now here. Uh, The Infinity Saga ended with Spider-Man Far From Home. That's a long list, Steve. That's That's a big list. uh, Yeah. What is that? I must have watched at least one. 11? That's 11 movies. Yeah, uh, you are right. I haven't seen all of them. Um, I've seen half, maybe just over half, um, for whatever reason. And we we were talking about this off air that I I was like I just watched Spider Man Far From Home, but I couldn't remember what the name of it was, even though I just watched it. That's how much I pay attention to these things. And I was like, yeah, is Spider Man Homecoming that one? And we got confused. Um. Yeah, so my favorite out of these, this is by far the toughest one for me. I really liked Civil War. I really, really liked Civil War. Um, There's something about when the positive force characters are now internally struggling to stay on the same page. I love those kinds of storylines. You know, do they come together? Does it push them further apart? Who is the true leader of the Avengers? I think that's where it kind of comes to blows. Um, Obviously, Black Panther was so unbelievably good. Chadwick Boseman, um, uh, just scary good. Like, get goosebumps watching uh, him act in it. And then we find out uh, uh, during his, or when he died that he was actually dealing with um was it wasn't he like getting treatment during the filming um of Black Panther and so just to to know that he was that sick and still put on that good of a performance um unbelievable um like I said Spider-Man Far From Home I just watched that one I thought it was kind of cool it was it was good I'm not a massive Spider-Man fan I think he's one of the weaker Avengers um he's a kid like he's a kid he shoots webs he yeah it it was cool though I that's just how I perceive Spider-Man is I think he's one of the weaker ones okay but we can both agree that Tom Holland is the apex Spider-Man right like he is the apex Spider-Man. He is the apex Peter Parker, like Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, like beat it, bud. Like Tom Holland is. I'll agree with that. Is, yeah. Like yeah. it's like Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. I think it, Tom Holland is Peter Parker. He is perfectly Spider-Man. cast for that. Yeah, definitely. Um, And then obviously you've got your your uh, Avengers Infinity War Avengers Endgame it's between Black Panther Infinity War and Endgame 
And part of me wanted to say Endgame, um, but I keep going back to the opening scene of Infinity War. And being somebody who's never really, you know, read the comic books, I don't really follow the storyline behind it. I didn't even know who Thanos was until I was watching that movie. Like the start of the movie, I'm like, okay, who's this big, huge dude with this like big raisin sack on his chin kind of thing? Like, (laughs) who is this guy? And then it's like, uh, I can't remember which one of the Avengers was like, oh, yeah, but we have the Hulk. And then the Hulk comes out and you're like, yeah, the Hulk is here to save the day. And he starts off pounding Thanos and whoever that wizard guy is, um, is just calmly watching. And you're like, "Uh oh, something like something ain't right here. And he like holds he holds his guy back and he says, let him have his fun. And you're like, oh, no, like something really bad is going to happen now. And then Thanos just beats the living tar out of the Hulk without even trying. And watching how easily he handles the Hulk when all else fails, the Hulk comes out, saves the day because he's the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk. And he just gets handled and like my jaw hit the floor. I was like, this guy is so badass. He is the perfect supervillain. I love those supervillains who are calm, cool, collected, but when they kick ass, they absolutely kick ass. So um, I give the edge in my favorite one to Avengers Infinity War just for that scene, for that introduction to Thanos and just how perfect of as a villain he is. I don't know if there's a better villain in all movies, not marvel but all movies i don't know if there's a better villain than thanos so the i guess true introduction to thanos was um the first avengers movie um but i mean he was barely in it i i I think even then like it was like it might have even been the post-credit scene i or no the post-credit scene was them eating shawarma um but thanos is the one that kind of orders the attack on new york city in, in the avengers um and and he is he is there like he's the one kind of like guiding loki in that attack um but yeah i know what you mean like you know he he's not really in the first avengers movie like this is our first like like really getting to see thanos and really getting to know like the power of thanos yeah. and what he can do like i mean he beat the hulk out of the hulk you know what i mean like <laughs> right. um bruce, yeah like bruce Bruce Banner couldn't turn into the Hulk for the rest of the the rest of that movie. Um, you know, he, he had to re- rely on um, the, the Hulk buster Iron Man suit um, for the rest of that movie because he could not turn into the Hulk. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so that, I, I think that's, a, like that. that's a, a, a great choice. I, I love uh, Infinity War was was great. Um, as I've said the last couple of weeks, um I have seen all of these movies because I did make my wife watch all of them with me before we went and saw Endgame in theater. Uh, and another fun fact, actually, Endgame is the only movie that I have seen in theaters more than once. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, the only one ever. Wow. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people probably our age 
that uh, saw went and saw Titanic in theaters more than once. I was yeah. not that person. Um, I didn't see Titanic in theaters even once, actually. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I went and saw and yeah, I went and saw Endgame in theaters, and then uh, in um, in West Kelowna here we have they call it the Encore Theater. So after kind of after movies kind of make like their full run in like the main theaters here, they they go to this Encore Theater where tickets are like. I think tickets are like two bucks. Like it's super, super cheap. Um, they, they still charge full price at the, um, at the concession, which is, I mean, that's really where, where, where they get you yeah. at, the, at the movie theaters. Right. Um, and I, I told Nadine, I was like, I need to see this movie in theaters again. Like I need to go <laughs> one more time. Um, so I, I, I actually, I went all by myself. Good Nadine for you. stayed home. The, the kids, the kids were sleeping. I went to like a, like nine o'clock showing and i i went and i had to go see it one more time nice yeah um so i guess my rankings because i'll go to I, I, again i'll go top to bottom uh bottom here um and then i know i'm gonna get just absolutely flamed for the bottom my bottom rankings um but bottom i have thor ragnarok um again i've only seen each thor movie one time so i do probably need to re-watch them to um give them you know kind of the benefit of the doubt and a more fair rating but maybe it was too hyped up for me and i just i don't know i didn't care for ragnarok um after ragnarok i'm going to probably say ant-man and the wasp i liked it it was a good show it it, it really helped um you know obviously lead up lead into Endgame and explain how Endgame is going to kind of work and and that um you know it was important for for the timeline um but that's really about that's probably the only positive thing I could say about Ammon and the Wasp but again that's probably one that I do need to watch again as well um after that I'm probably going to say Spider-Man Far From Home um it was kind of weird that you know the phase 3 didn't end with Endgame. That there was another movie that happened after Endgame, after Tony Stark had died, which I guess kind of like does make sense that it was like you know Tony Stark has died and this is how the world is moving on. This is how Peter Parker Parker is moving on. Like that was his mentor. Um, but it, it, again, it, it was it was good. Like I, I enjoyed it, but it, it's not not high enough up. Um, I'm gonna say after that, I'm gonna say Black Panther. Um, again, it was good, but I just like, it was really well acted. Like it was like, you know, the, the cinematography was good, but I just, I don't know the, the, the story. I was just, um, I was watching it to just keep up with, with the timeline and, and understand that backstory and how that all works. Um, after that, I'm going to say probably Doctor Strange, um, which I actually I enjoyed. Uh, again, talking about movies that I watched just to say that, you know, I watched them all before watching Endgame. Doctor Strange is one of those movies. I was like, well, let's just watch this one, I guess. Um, I enjoyed Doctor Strange a lot more than I expected to. Um, it was it, it was a lot more intriguing, a lot more. Uh, yeah, it was a lot better than I expected. Uh, after Doctor Strange, I'm going to go with uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, it was good. Like I said, Spider-Man's first standalone movie. Really enjoyed it. 
Uh, I'm going to go Captain Marvel after that. Now, Captain Marvel, a lot of people really hate Captain Marvel. A lot of people really hate, um, oh, I can't think of her name right now, whatever, whoever the actress is that plays Captain Marvel, uh, Brie Larson. Um, a lot of people don't like Brie Larson. They don't like her as Captain Marvel. Um, for me, uh, Captain Marvel is going to be a, a whole a little bit of a special place in my heart because my daughter loved Captain Marvel loves still captain marvel my daughter my daughter loves the, the the whole girl power um aspect of captain marvel and she watches captain marvel and she kicks ass right alongside captain marvel so that one uh gets ranked up a little bit higher than probably most people um <laughs> because of my six-year-old uh who was not six when that came out of course uh, um <laughs> After that, uh, it starts to get a lot harder because now, of course, we've got Captain America Civil War. We've got Guardians. Uh, we've got Infinity War and we've got Endgames as the, the, the next four. I think I have to go Captain America next. I loved Civil War. I think it was a great movie. Um, like I said, with the, you know, it, it wasn't really a Captain America movie. It was an Avengers movie. Um you know, who's on the right side, um, you know, and then, you know, uh, Captain America's protecting Bucky and Tony finds out that Bucky kills his parents and just, and, and, and then of course, uh, Captain America, uh, gives up his shield. And that's why in infinity war, he doesn't have the shield. Um, he gets it back in Endgame. So, um, I, I've got to go there. Uh, the next one, I'm going to say guardians of the galaxy. I know you don't like the guardians movie, movies i love them i think they're super entertaining um they're they're funny they're they're light they're exactly kind of what a, a i think a comic book movie should be not taking themselves too seriously and that leads us to the two heavy hitters <laughs> infinity war and Endgame. and man i like this is hard like is it like infinity war was just absolute perfection start to finish starts with thanos like i said beating the hulk out of the hulk killing loki um the, the the battle at the end they're you know uh wanda and um uh black panther's sister i can't think of her her name right now they're they're just about to get the or destroy or get the infinity stone out of vision's head um but you know the 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 threat becomes too great so uh, they take off and they go to, uh, you know, start partaking the battle. And then Vision says to Wanda, like, you are the only person that, that can end this. Like, you have to destroy the stone. And so Wanda destroys the stone. She kills Vision. Um, but it turns out that it's too late because Thanos already has the time stone. He goes back in time, brings Vision back to life, brings the stone back and tears the stone out of Vision's head and, and you know, completes his Infinity Gauntlet, still kills Vision. And of course, there's the uh, the the snapping. Um, it just oh man, Infinity War was so so good. We you know introduced to Iron Spider, um, the whole Doctor Strange thing where he's sitting there, he's you know looks like he's having a seizure, and he goes, you know, he's reviewing the whole thing out in his mind, and he goes, you know, there's there's one scenario where this happens and where we beat Thanos, and my God, but I just I have to go with Endgame. Hmm. Endgame just ties just ties it up it just ties it up it 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 brings it all together 
Um, you know, a, a, again, the, the, you know, Hulk does his snap. Um, I will say that's the one thing I don't like about Endgame. I don't really care for Smart Hulk or Professor Hulk, I believe is what he's called in the <laughs> comics. Um, I also didn't read the comics. I'm strictly, my MCU knowledge is strictly from the, from the movies. Um, and it's just, um, the, again, the end scene when, uh, you know, Thor, uh, you know, uh, calls for the lightning and all of a sudden there's Thor in his battle gear. His beard is braided. His hair is braided. He looks ready to go. looks badass. They battle. Thanos destroys Captain America's shield. Now all of a sudden uh, Thor or uh, Captain America can wield Thor's hammer and like, and Thor's like, I knew it the whole time. Like uh, I think it was in uh, Ultron where they're all trying to pick up Thor's hammer and uh, if you go back and rewatch that, you actually watch Thor's face when Steve Rogers goes to try to pick up the hammer and Thor does look nervous. And a lot of people speculate that the reason he wasn't able to do it then and he was able to do it in Endgame is because he had made amends with Bucky. Um, but anyways, uh, and then the snap, the, the Hulk snap happens. Everyone comes back. All of a sudden, all the rings open. Doctor Strange is opening all these rings to bring all these characters back. They come in kind of one by one. Um, and the, the the one that kills me every time is um, uh, Falcon when he goes on your left, and he as he shows up. And that's a callback to I think Winter Soldier. That's a callback to when Captain America kept running circles around him around the lake, and Steve Rogers kept going on your left. On your left, so yeah, Endgame is uh, is my number one of Phase Three, and yeah, we could kind of see that coming if that's the show that you've seen twice in theaters going by yourself. Uh, there's got to be a good reason for it. I don't think there's a wrong answer between those. I think it has to come down to either one of those uh, Avenger movies, and I think where you and I differ is you like Endgame so much because it it ties everything up it it's neat it's clean i would have loved for infinity war to be the end of it all like you get the snap the bad yep. guy wins the whole thing and you're like no way like I, I just think there's something in movies right now where the expected doesn't happen that needs to be explored a lot more because I think it's going to really piss viewers off in a really good way. Like it's going to be like just so angering to them that, yeah, I, I think uh, that's why I like infinity war a little bit more, but I, I think they're, they're one and two. Right. And I, I understand that too. And like, you know, end game, I guess from that aspect was maybe a little bit predictable or we're like, you knew they were coming back, right? Like you knew there's to be that one big final battle. You knew they were coming back. You knew they were going to figure out a way to, you know, I mean, like I said, Ant-Man and the Wasp was very important in the timeline to explain kind of how it was all going to work. So like, I, I guess in that aspect that like, yeah, like I could see how Infinity War would be your number one over Endgame, but it's it's really, really hard to pick one over the other. Definitely. Uh, okay, we have a uh, pretty stacked up mailbag here. Uh, really appreciate you guys uh, jumping on and hitting us with a bunch of questions. We have six different people with questions here. So 
Um, we're going to get a little into football. There's a couple or at least one non-football question that's hilarious. Um, so our first one came from It's Almost Lamar Season at DT Gordo. So I'm guessing his name is Gordo. Gordo, we appreciate the question. Uh, his first question into uh, our mailbag. So I'll take this one. Obviously, it says, what does Lamar have to do to be taken seriously? And uh, it's funny. I actually had this question. I had this conversation with a couple of friends of mine a while back because I'm like, why is there so much hate on this kid? Like, he's so electrifying. He's so fun to watch. And he just gets crapped on all the time for for whatever he does. And uh, w- one of my buddies was like, well, think of it this way. He was so good in 2019. Like he put himself on this massive pedestal so early in his career. And when you're that good, people love to see you fail. If if it's not your quarterback, people love to see you fail. So I don't think the hate for Lamar is going away anytime soon. I just don't think he cares. Like everything I see from him on Twitter is just like he's having a great time and he does not care that people are talking about him. And if he does care, it's just driving him to work harder, to want to be better. Um, This person that I follow, I wish I would have taken the screenshot and I'm paraphrasing this because I won't get it right. But uh, Lamar basically quote retweeted her and she was super pumped on it. Uh, But she said... A bee doesn't stop to tell an ant that honey tastes better than poop, essentially. And he (laughs) he retweets it with like the 100 emoji. And it's so true. Like if if you care about what somebody else's, you know, their negative feelings, then and all the hate that comes with it, it's just going to drive you further down in that. So, um I think he is taken seriously from NFL teams. And I think that's the only people that really, really matter. The fans don't actually matter in all this stuff. So great question. I love it. I feel your pain, but just let go of it. Lamar's let go of it. I can let go of it. Uh, Our second question comes from, and I'm probably going to get Adam's last name wrong, but Hulsey or Hulls. So at Adam Hulls Sports. His question is, better shot at MVP this year, Lamar or Russ? Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) I loved your response to this, by the way. Okay, so, Um, so my response to this, just quickly for anybody who does or isn't or missed it maybe, was you guys just love to see us go at each other don't and i mean that's that's part of the fun of it so we obviously know who you're picking but give me like the the short version of why russ can win mvp i mean i mean i'm gonna play switzerland a little bit here um i mean they both have as good as a chance as the other guy does right like i mean it, it it's there's so many variables when it comes to picking mvp and there's i mean there's a lot more guys vying for it than just yeah. our guys right so totally um i i i mean of course i'm gonna i i want to i'm not gonna say I, i'm going to say russell wilson i want to say russell wilson if russell wilson um was consistent last year 
and put together the second half of the season like he did the first half of the season, I think Russell Wilson would have been the MVP last year. Yeah. Um, oh, man. He because was so he good last was year. absolutely <sighs> a absolute world beater in the first half of the season last year. I don't have the splits here, um, but he did throw. I mean, he threw 40 touchdowns last year, which is the most that he's thrown in his entire career. But he also threw the most interceptions that he's thrown in his entire career last year. And I was 13. Um, so, and most of those 13 um, probably came in the second half of the season. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I want to say Russell Wilson because I feel like with Shane Waldron coming in, Russ is going to be able to be more consistent. He does have more weapons at his exposure this year. Um, with adding Dwayne Eskridge as the third wide receiver, with adding a guy like Gerald Everett as the tight end, who already knows the offensive system that Waldron wants to implement, um, with having a better offensive line this year than he did last year. Um, and hopefully just, I mean, the, the Seahawks offense became very um, predictable last year. Um, you know, it became very obvious they were looking for that deep ball. And uh, they stopped running underneath routes. Even a guy like Tyler Lockett stopped running underneath routes. And it became just very blatantly obvious what they were looking to do uh, anytime Russell was dropping back to pass. So if they can correct those errors, if Russ can be more consistent, um, which I know I'm saying, you know, that's a lot of ifs, but I'm saying that I think this guy has a better chance than the other guy. um, I, I think it, it it will be Russell Wilson um, because he was, I mean, he was in the driver's seat last year up until like, what was it? Week eight, he was in the driver's seat. Uh, and then all of a sudden um, Schottenheimer just decided to, I don't know if it was Schottenheimer or Pete or if it was the two of them fighting, uh, but all of a sudden the offense just, fell apart and became stagnant. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, you, you had Tyler Lockett on your fantasy team. I'm sure you (laughs) noticed that. Um, And don't be wrong. Like I said, they both have as much of a case as the other guy, Lamar Jackson. If, if, if Lamar can, (coughs) excuse me, sorry. If, if Lamar can improve his, uh, his, his passing pedigree. I mean, we all know Lamar can run, um, but if he can improve his passing pedigree with the, with the weapons that he now has, he's never had the weapons uh, before that he has now. Um, then that's again that's going to put him right you know right in that conversation as well. So it, it, and that's not to take a you know a knock against Lamar and or say you know one's better or the th- than the other. Um, but we all know what Lamar can do with his legs. Let's you know if, if he can prove now with these weapons that. Hey, like I've, I've shown what I can do with my legs. And like, even without the weapons that I've had in the past, I've won an MVP and I have shown that I can throw the ball. Well, look what I can do now with, uh, three competent wide receivers plus a competent running back plus a competent tight end. So it'll be, uh, an interesting season for sure. Right. I, it's kind of funny when we haven't talked about this actually off air, which some of these things we talk about, I was fully expecting like a battle with you. 
I was expecting you to come in guns a blazing after our Bobby versus uh, Marlo conversation. And I was like, you know what? I'm not buying into it this week. I don't. I'm not going to fall for it. And then, of course, you play Switzerland, which I was going to do. But I, I think you said it perfectly. Like both guys are more than capable of it. Um, I, I agree with you. I think for me, up until whatever that week was, it was between Rogers and and Russ the whole way through. And I was like, you could give it to either one of them because either one is playing out of their minds. Um so that's the argument for Russ. He has all of these weapons. I think they improved on the offensive line where they needed to. I think they still have a strong run game. He has weapons on the outside. He's electrifying. He makes big plays in big moments. That's why Russ could win the MVP. It's very possible. Um, and, and, and I, I would also... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I, I just want to add... I don't care what anybody says. Russell Wilson throws the sexiest deep ball in the <laughs> NFL. Ooh, I don't know if our boys from uh, past the cheese would agree with that. Probably not. But um, I don't care. Get them. Dave and Jay are going to be all over you when they listen to this. Um, oh, I can't wait. But the reason why Lamar could win it is a, he's won it before. <laughs> if you can win it once. And that was mere two years ago. Um, you can easily win it again. He's still super young. Like you said, we know what he can do with his legs. He is absolutely terrifying to defenders um, if he gets in open space. It is an absolute lock that he's going to do damage if he's out in open space. Um, I also agree with you that he does need to show a little bit more of his passing pedigree, um, but his stats would tell you that he's not a bad passer. He's a very efficient passer, um, and, and, you know, teams or fans from teams that don't like Lamar or don't like the Ravens, uh, just look and say like, well, he only threw in his MVP year. He only threw for 3,100 yards. Yeah, that's fine. But he threw for 36 touchdowns. He also ran in another seven. Like he was putting up numbers. Uh, his, his completion percentage was 66%. If we're looking at, uh, Russell Wilson last year, Russell Wilson had 68. Okay. So the, here's a guy who completes passes his passer rating in that mvp year was 113 his qbr was 83 like he was not a bad and he still is not a bad passer he does not turn the ball over that could be another reason why uh he he wins the mvp but just like my argument for why russ would the things that the ravens needed to do to get better to support lamar they went out and did they got some wide receivers. They're getting one of their tight ends back. They upgraded their offensive line. Like they they went so all in to support him. And uh, Lamar would be the first one to tell you now, like, I got the weapons. Now I need to prove that, you know, I can take my game to a whole nother level. Um, so, yeah. Sorry, Adam. We are not buying on that one. Chris has Chris wants one more thing. Uh, I, I, I just want to add in. Um, and this, again, this is not a, a, a negative thing. This isn't to, to start a fight or, or uh, you know, uh, stir up what Adam's looking for. Um, you, you mentioned how Lamar already has an MVP. I, I, I will say that almost gives him the edge because um, it does seem like, you know, the MVP, whoever votes for the MVP, MVP which I think it's, it's the media, um, 
they, they do have a slight bias to somebody that has 100%. already won it before. Um, and it, like I said, that, that, it's like that's validating that they were right the first time picking it. Yeah, I, right? I like, like I said, it's not a negative correct. thing. It's just it, I, I think it gives Lamar the slight edge because he has won it once already, where it's just like, well, he's won it once already and he's proving that he, you know, he's still that player. So let's just give it to him again. Right. So. Right. I, I think that's a great point. I, I think the human bias error cannot be overshadowed in some of these things. Um, Our buddy Calvin. Hey, oh, quick high five. Yeah, quick high five. No fighting so far. Oh, just wait. There's more. There's more. Don't worry. It's coming. It's coming. Don't (laughs) worry. It's calm before the storm. Uh, Our buddy Calvin at Floxy Wood uh, asked, build the starting offense with Ravens and Seahawks players in terms of who you'd rather hang out with. Uh, I don't know if we have enough time, like we're getting, we're getting pretty deep into this here to build a whole line, but give me, give me your top three, top three guys that you have to like hang out with DK, DK Metcalf for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Will Disley. Okay. I don't know much about his personality. Yeah. You know what, you know what it is, is, is that, um, him and I kind of look alike. And uh, I'm just going to just be like, yes, yeah, my brother. The Spider-Man like, like, meme where you guys are yeah. pointing at each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to walk around the entire time doing that. Right. Like, my, my, my brother will. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, my third, I mean, how, how could I not say I want to hang out with the franchise Russell Wilson, right? Because of his personality, though? I mean, he looks like he has, I mean... I mean, maybe he he'll like take he you on some fun trips. He has a lot trips. of fun with his wife. Yeah. Can okay. I? Just, I I'll take along with him and his wife. I don't. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> I'll be a third wheel. Yeah. Um, I have no shame. <laughs> no shame whatsoever. <laughs> okay. Three. G- I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you the one. Sorry. I'm gonna give you the one guy from the Ravens that I'm gonna pick. Okay. Big Ben Cleveland. Oh yeah, he's number yeah. one on my list. If you know anything yeah. about <laughs> Ben Cleveland, or you know anything about me. Um, watching his videos or his interviews where he is talking about killing squirrels and like, well, I just needed to like put something on the barbecue. Um, this guy is just, he screams, I'm going to have a fun time. So definitely Ben Cleveland, um, Brandon Williams is one of the fun. He is always trying to prank people. He's just kind of like this goofy, yeah, just like this big, huge teddy bear, but a huge goof. So I would definitely want to hang out with Brandon Williams. And oh, I didn't even think about. Oh, no. Uh, easy one here. Uh, Justin Tucker. He again. Didn't he say offense, though? Oh, was it offense? Oh, yeah. It's yeah, it starting was... offense, isn't it? OK, I. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. OK, I'll go back. Um, if I have to pick offensive players, uh, I'm picking Bradley Bozeman. Um, he does so much good work for, for charity and with his foundation, him and his wife are rock stars with it. So I'd love to see what a busy day in like keeping a a big foundation going, uh, and that kind of being the focal point around it. And I can't just, the obvious answer is Lamar, right? Like I want to go play like some one-on-one on, on concrete with kids, um, but then also like Pat Ricard is super funny again, like 
the story I, I can't remember if I told it on here about uh, his his neighbor. I don't know where he lives or like if it's like a condo or something, but his neighbor stole his DoorDash and he like politely showed up as like a I don't know what six one three hundred and fifteen pound behemoth of a dude like calmly knocks on the door and is like, hey, I think you stole my dinner tonight. Like just watching that guy's face drop and probably craps his pants uh, would fully be worth it. So that's who I would hang out with. Um, and he asks a second question. We're not going to get into this one because he's, <laughs> he's I'm going to let Calvin, when you're listening to this, I'm going to let you and Chris uh, settle this one on Twitter. But it says, as an honest Seahawks fan, what does Russ have to do to get on Lamar's level? And I think that's because of all the running back digs you uh, like to troll with. So and, uh, uh, we're not I, giving I, you I, any I, I just want to quickly one. answer that. Nope. And Russ Absolutely clearly not. needs to learn how to be a running back like Lamar. He clearly but, needs to win an MVP. I, but we just I mean, talked ab- about ab- it. Ab- exactly. After the conversation we, we both had, obviously I have a lot of respect for Lamar and I, I love to take the piss out of Steve uh, and call him a running back and kind of take the piss out of all of you Ravens fans by calling him a running back. Um, but obviously, obviously okay. I have a, a, a ton of respect for the guy. Um, I just like to uh, rile you guys up a little bit. Stop talking. So. Ah. No, one, no one wants. Ah, no one wants. Ah. <laughs> okay. Go here, Hawks. Here's. Yeah, I'm not giving you the last word today. Now I'm just gonna end the recording. Like piss off chris and then yeah. um here's the funny question from our buddy liam at liam Haggerty on twitter uh pick one to live with for the rest of your life <laughs> penguin i can't even i can't even do penguin legs or t-rex arms <laughs> i want to know your answer first i know my answer okay i know yours first uh, i'm totally picking t-rex arms just for, really? yeah, just for the mobility of it. Like I love being outside. I love exploring country. It's going to be kind of hard to do that waddling. It's going to be very hard to like hunt and fish and like play sports with T-Rex arms. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm picking T-Rex. arms. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm going penguin legs. Cause oh. I like to do a lot of things with my arms. And if I have T-Rex arms, there's a lot of things I can't do with those arms that I like to do. And um, get your head out of the gutter, gutter, Steven. I'm talking about playing lacrosse, man. Like, I can't throw a lacrosse ball if I have T-Rex arms. Like, it's just not going to work. Penguin legs, I probably can't play lacrosse anymore, <laughs> but I can still throw a ball around. And if anybody has seen uh, your race when we did Ball Hawks versus the PP1 podcast, they know that you already have penguin legs. Uh, yeah, so this I mean, was regular, this was not a fair question. If if exactly, yeah, fair. regular legs, penguin legs doesn't <laughs> doesn't really matter. I'm slow. So the question was actually like, would you rather have your own existing legs or like shortened arms? Thanks, Liam. Thanks for setting yeah. them up. Not shortened arms. Thanks, yeah. Liam. Um, our next question comes from Jay Andrews. Uh, we gave him a shout out at UPJ 33 best QB sophomore year will be blank. Chris. Uh, I love Jalen hurts this year. Oh yeah, uh, you do. Yeah. I'm talking do. about, him. um, I mean, obviously I talked about him last week. I drafted him in the Scott fishbowl as my, I mean, he was my first quarterback that I drafted in the Scott fishbowl. Um, that's cause I, like I said, didn't take one in the first round like I should have. Um, 
I just, I, yeah, I, I think he's in a good situation. Um, him and Devontae Smith are going to, you know, rekindle that Alabama, Alabama magic. Uh, Jalen Rigor, 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 I don't, I don't know, whatever his name is. Uh, I think he's going to have a bounce back year this year. Um, kind of only question mark on that Philly offense right now is the running back. I, I, I don't believe in Miles Sanders. Um, but I, I, yeah, Jalen Hurts is my, sophomore breakout quarterback this year yeah i i thought I mean, the uh, obvious sorry. answer sorry um i feel like justin herbert is is yes. the obvious answer so yeah so sorry i'm going jalen hurts because justin herbert is the obvious yeah. answer I, that's exactly yeah. what i was just gonna say i was like i feel like the easy answer and it's who i'll pick because he's super talented justin herbert has all the weapons there He's shown he can do it in that system with the weapons that he has. Uh, to me, that one was a no-brainer, but I, I kind of thought you might go there uh, after all the the Jalen Hurts you've been talking about. But it, it's a good pick as well. Yeah, no, and, and I I love love Justin Herbert. I think he's going to be a, 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 if if I was drafting Dynasty, uh, Justin Herbert would be my target in Dynasty for sure. Um, his follow-up question, this, this was the one that I messaged him back. This is a really cool conversation. I'll keep it pretty short on my end, uh, cause I've had hours and hours of conversation about this, but how do you guys decipher the difference between the best and the most talented? And I mean, it's a bit of a philosophical question, right? Like how do you define what the best is? How do you define who the most talented is? I feel like, and again, I would I would have to talk with Jay to understand where, like a little bit of context behind this, but I feel like the best is the person who um, just puts it all together. Maybe that's like right system. Like the best is Tom Brady. He is the best because he wins. He, he does what you are supposed to do in football. The goal in football is to win a game and then win a Super Bowl. Tom Brady is the best because of that. He's not the most talented, though. Like, he doesn't throw the hardest. He doesn't move the the fastest. He doesn't, um, you could argue he doesn't make the best, the best reads, right? Like, if you're talking about who's the most talented, like, you might have said, like, Peyton Manning was a better, like, pre-snap reader. Um, so it's it's not like it's not like he does anything bad. He does everything really good. He's just not the most talented in every single thing. Like you might say, uh, who, who do we think has the, the strongest arm? Maybe like Aaron Rodgers or maybe like Pat Mahomes. I, I don't know who has the strongest arm, but that's who you'd say is like the most talented. That doesn't necessarily mean they are the best. If that makes sense. It, and that's kind of where I was going to go with the conversation as well as like, Tom Brady, based on longevity, based on uh, win-loss record, stats, Super Bowls, what have you, he is the best quarterback. The most talented quarterback right now, um, arguably, is probably Pat Mahomes. Just -hmm. because he can do a lot of things that other guys can't. Right. Um, He's mobile. He can, you know, chuck it. A million yards he can i mean some of the things he did in the super bowl where i mean he was in the air and he's throwing it 40 yards down the field and um you know had his 
receivers actually caught some of those balls instead of letting them bounce off their face masks. Everyone would have been talking about those plays for years and years to come, right? Um, so, I, like you said, it, you know, best doesn't meet doesn't equal most talented, and that's probably the the, the best um, comparison in that conversation is Brady versus, say, someone like Mahomes, who I feel is probably the most talented quarterback in the NFL right now. Right. You don't have to win. It, it's kind of like going back to like Dan Marino. Dan Marino was such a talented passer, but he just wasn't the best because they they never won. Like for whatever reason, like maybe it's opportunity. Maybe it's like whatever that is. The best is whoever's doing the goal and that's winning. The most talented person is who has those physical characteristic traits. Right. And then you, you probably want to be like, more specific when you're talking about talent you want to be like well who has the strongest arm who makes the most who has the best unorthodox throws who is the most talented you know pocket awareness person right you got to like kind of separate talent traits as opposed to just like an overall encompassing like best player um our final question comes from jimmer at capital J I M M three R underscore. He kind of did what Ted does in his, uh, Twitter handle. Here's the one. Here's the one that's going to get us. I think Chris, what's (laughs) one trade that's both fair and realistic that both of you would agree to. And then it's in brackets between only the Seahawks and Ravens. So we got to come up with a trade that you and I agree to that's fair and benefits both teams. <laughs> we're, we're like gunslinging here. Like we've both got our hand on the trigger or like we're ready to draw. I mean, obviously I want one of those DBs, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I, I think I said, was it last week where it's like, if I could pick one player, I would probably have to say that Marcus Peters would be that guy that I would be looking for in a trade. I, th- I think it was last week um, that I, I had mentioned that, you know, if I were to pick one guy from your roster or, or might've even been one guy from the rest of the league, who would I pick other than Jalen Ramsey? And it was uh, my answer was Marcus Peters. Um, I, I just don't know what, I don't know what's fair there. Right. Like, I don't know what, like, <laughs> I mean, and and this is probably, you know, I, I don't know what the Ravens need. Like, I don't I don't know what their needs are. Like, do they, you know, do they maybe need a guy like Alton Robinson, who is a, a young up and coming pass rusher? Um, I don't know he, how he would perform in a three four defense because, um, of course, he plays four three in Seattle. Um, but is that maybe someone that is, you know, like we're taking on an older DB, but here's a younger pass rusher like. I don't know what what would make that transaction um, balance. Yeah, I think I think this is a really loaded question. Uh, I was also working on fixing my trailer all day, so I could not look into the specifics. But you would have to also look into things like, well, what kind of a dead cap would the Ravens get from trading a guy like Marcus Peters? If I'm the Ravens, there's no way I'm giving up Marcus Peters at all, even if that means a young up and coming pass rusher, pass rusher, which 
you know, we've talked about it before that the Ravens do need a little more proven uh, pass rush, pass rush uh, going on. The one I thought about would be a trade for you guys to sort of have a little extra depth on the interior. I know you'd mentioned it earlier uh, in in the episode that the you would keep some of those interior offensive linemen. Um, I, I was kind of thinking one of these off young offensive linemen that kind of hasn't gotten a chance to play. Maybe it's like a Ben Powers, Ben Breedison. Maybe it's uh, Patrick McCarry kind of type. It, it wouldn't be this big, splashy, sexy trade, but it would be, you know, the Ravens having a surplus of interior offensive linemen, the Seahawks needing more interior offensive linemen, and you might get a guy like that for, you know, a fifth round, a sixth round kind of pick. Um, I, I could see something like that happening. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect some wild uh, crazy trade like a Marcus Peters for a player. I think it would be pick versus pick for player, whichever way you went on it. Yeah, and I I agree. You're not going to see something super super splashy, right? Like it's like a you know here's a you know guy that could be a starter on your roster, um, could be a depth guy on your on your roster, but here he is and and find out where he fits. Um, but I mean, like I said, it's it's Marcus Peters is, is the guy that I would love to see, um, but I just don't see how they make the the the, the balance happen. Okay, so I uh, I apologize to Liam. You must have looked at the DMs on the podcast account, and I missed his second question. So we'll get to it right now. Uh, he said, there's been a lot of talk in the last few years, including on this podcast about how you need to win titles while your QB hasn't been paid yet, aside from Brady, obviously, uh, which I understand in theory, teams always find a way to flip the script on these issues though. So my second mailbag question is how do you think a team with a highly paid quarterback can build a winning team? Where do you spend the rest of your money? What positions can you save money on this? This is a great question. Because I think a lot more teams are starting to have to do this now where, you know, you, you're giving guys lucrative contracts, whether it's Russ or Lamar's getting his now and uh, Dak just got his, Mahomes got his. Like a lot of starting quarterbacks are now having to, uh, you know, put up with taking a huge chunk of the cap. So I would say, where do you where else do you spend your money on? I think you have to protect them. I think you have to invest a little bit in the offensive line. I think you have to invest in weapons that work for that quarterback. But I think more than anything, you just have to decide, are we going to go all in like sort of the Chiefs model where we're going to go all in offense and we are going to outscore you and we're going to try and pick up defensive players that work with us. And yeah, when they won their Super Bowl, like that was like a perfect storm on defense. Their defense was even balling out. Um, I think where you can save the money is those veteran guys where you can pick them up on one year deals uh, kind of on the cheap um, for guys that kind of want to make a run at a title. But I think it's entirely possible to win while your quarterback is not making that top money. It's just obviously harder because it's taking so much of your cap space away. Yeah, um, I agree. If if you're going to pay your quarterback, you have to pay your offensive line, which is funny that I'm saying that because I cheer for a team that hasn't <laughs> done that for many, many years. Um, 
the the areas that you could probably skimp a little bit is uh, running back. You can find a free agent, um, you know, veteran free agent for relatively cheap, undrafted free agent for even less, uh, or a rookie running back in the draft, whether it be in the first round, which I don't recommend, um, or the third round or later, um, which I do recommend. <laughs> um, sorry, Rashad Penny. I, I know I'm keeping you my expansion draft, but I'm still taking a shot at you there. Um, and then I guess the other area that you could probably skimp a little bit is maybe defensive line. Um, DB safety is really important linebacker, pretty important, um, defensive line. Again, that's, that's a position that you can find production from, uh, guys that are not at, at the top end of the pay structure. Yeah, I agree. Um, all good places to save money. I think, um, obviously if you don't have to spend a lot of money into your special teams, but you can fill that with, you know, young talent that kind of needs to prove their way. I think that's another way to uh, save some extra money. Um, yeah, that that's all we have on the mail. That was a stacked mailbag. That was a big mailbag. We appreciate you guys sending in those questions again. Sorry, Liam. I did not see that, but we got to it in time. Uh, we are almost at the two hour mark, Chris. I'm going to leave you uh, with with last words here. Yeah, guys, um, like like Steve said, thanks for the mailbag this week. Um, we, we love having that full mailbag. We love answering your questions. It gives, you know, we love interacting with you guys. Um, so please tweet at us, hit us up on Instagram, hit us up on Facebook. Uh, we, you know, we, we love having these conversations off air as well. And if you think of a great question, um, you know, for the mailbag, shoot it at us and, and we're, we're happy to oblige. And, uh, you know, we, we say it every week. It doesn't have to be football related. We're happy to answer everything except for that one thing. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Jake, again, uh, big shout out to you. We, uh, we've had some fun, uh, ranking the MCU movies these last three weeks. Um, I guess I have to start actually putting in some effort and coming up <laughs> with a third down segment again after this. Um, so uh, thanks, uh, Jake, again for that. I, I I really do appreciate it. Like I, I texted Steve while we were talking here. I said, you know, sorry I went so long there. I just, I love the MCU so much. Uh, but yeah, guys, uh, give us a follow over on Twitter at ballhawks underscore pod. Uh, you know, I, I I did tweet at the guys that have the Ballhawks pod handle. I'm uh, I'm trying to get that from them, but uh, for now we still have that underscore. Um, give me a follow at Phillips Chris Twelve. Don't forget, uh, you know, our uh, host with the most, Mr. Steve Fisher at SS Fisher Eight Seven. And as always, guys, go Hawks. Peace. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. 
wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.